Welcome to BDC Raw Live. I'm your host, Josh Mitchell, and welcome to the show. I have an amazing person that's going to be joining me in just a few seconds, but some real quick things. Obviously, if you are listening to this and you have to run, we obviously you can listen to it on the replay, or you can go to the podcast. If you look up in any podcast platform that you use, just look up BDC Raw and you can find all of the episodes there. Um, but real quick, September 21st, 2020 in Raleigh, North Carolina, we have BDC Raw brought to you by myself and co-video. And uh, you can get your tickets at bdcrawevent.com. I uh, look forward to seeing everybody there. I know after all of this COVID stuff is kind of settled, everybody's going to want to get back into action and start learning some things. And then also right after that, you have the Hustle and Grind Con 3 um, which is going to be October 12th and 13th in Orlando, Florida. So you want to get your tickets for that event at glennlundy.com. And so make sure you get your tickets for all of these events because it's going to be a great time. And so without further ado, I have a long list of intro for this guy, um, but I'm going to bring him up on the screen so you know who I'm talking about but Mr. Glenn Lundy, want to welcome him to the show. He is the host of Rise and Grind. If you wake up at 5.30 in the morning, or you can get on the replay if you're a little late riser, he is um, on Lions, Sharks, and Bulls with the new show, which I think is about three or four episodes in. He is the uh, mastermind between the 800% Club. He's a father of seven. He won up to me on that, and I'm cool with that. He can stay there. I don't need to reach that level. But Mr. <laughs> Glenn Lundy, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, my man, dude? I am so thankful to be here, man. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you. I've had the honor to work with you from 2011 till 2017. We saw a massive... Um, dealership go from 120 130 units to when i was there just shy of 900 while you were there they did crack the thousand and so we had a a great time working together um first started out selling cars together which is ironic yeah yeah we started selling cars you got i think you got promoted to sales manager in july correct 2011 yep and um I got moved into the BDC, I think, in August of September, and then kind of I've stayed inside the BDC. It's kind of my wheelhouse. It's my, <laughs> I learned, you know, you 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 spend your life trying to figure out what you're good at and and what your passion is, and when you find it, you're like, that's it. Right. Um, and I found my passion in this side of things. Um, you have have gone on to some really amazing things. Super proud of you. Proud to call you a friend and a brother. And Thank so. You. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, you know, leadership is something that um, obviously you don't go from selling 120 cars to selling 800 plus without great leadership and a leadership culture. And so when you think about leadership inside of a dealership, um, what are some things that kind of come to mind to you that obviously are the great things and then some of the not so great things? Well, leadership, you know, obviously it's uh, it's it's one of the most crucial components um, of, of growth. You have to have the right people in the right spots uh, to be able to get everybody speaking the, the, the same language, to get everybody moving in the right 
direction. You know, we all need guidance in life, whether it be in a dealership or, um, you know, outside of the dealerships, whether it be as a child, we get guidance from our parents, whether it be later in life, we get guidance from our mentors or maybe through our education, you know, guidance and all that stuff. It's, 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 it's required in order for people to grow. So leadership in the dealership world, uh, in a lot of dealerships, it's not like it doesn't exist. Like we have, yeah. we have, you know, we have our managers, but we have very few, uh, I shouldn't say very few, we're getting more and more and more and more, but some dealerships don't have leaders, they have managers. Um, and, and, and so the downside, especially with the auto industry, is if you perform well as a salesperson, <laughs> you end up being in a leadership position, but being able to sell does not make you um, a great leader. And so I think that that would be, you know, as far as the auto industry, there's lots of opportunities for people to lead, um, but there's also that negative side of dealership leadership where the top performer gets the job and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, a, a person who is a great example of this, John Hinkson, which we sells a ton of cars, um, which was, is a good friend of ours, um, moved up into finance and found out it wasn't his role. You know, I think that, that finding out that maybe you're not meant to, you can lead in other capacities. I think a lot of people think leadership is that management role that I get that on my business card that I'm the manager and they just think I've made it, but it's not that you can lead in so many different roles uh, inside of a dealership, you don't always have to be a manager. And I think he found what he ultimately is what he wants and his freedom and, and how he does things. But I think that's the key is that you don't always have to be a manager to be a leader inside of a dealership. Yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. <laughs> and so it's, it's funny because I've been asked this question. I had the opportunity to be on your 800% club yesterday which is an amazing group of people. This is your second round. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Second round of, of dealers for this, but a lot of questions that, you know, and one of my friends in the automotive space kind of threw this question up in, in one of the groups that I'm part of, but the relationship between the BDC director and the GM and, and GSM and sales managers and how critical that role is in that relationship. And, for me and you, we worked a long time together. We didn't always see eye to eye. That was a few arguments. <laughs> you know, I think that's the key. But what yeah, do you think? The, sure. <laughs> the when you're looking at the relationship between the BDC director and the GM and sales managers, what are some key things that both parties need to think about to obviously have a great re working relationship and make this thing work? Well, I mean, it's 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 gotta be one team man. Every, every, hey, man. everything's gotta be one team. That's, that's the only way that you can move a mountain, right? Like if I want to literally move a mountain, physically move a mountain, I can't have one person working in one area, another person standing around doing nothing in that area. And another person going back behind the person that already did something <laughs> and doing the same work all over again in the same area. 
you can't move yeah. a mountain that way. We got to strategically put people in positions all around the mountain and have them do their job and communicate well um, together to be able to get the job done. And so the exact things, you know, exact same thing is true. Your your BDC is one of the most important, if not the most important department when it comes to the sales side of a dealership. We need those customer interactions. We need them quickly. We need them to be fast, prompt, professional. We need aggressive people that can handle the, the phones and the leads. Like it's a, it's, it's the business. It's mm -hmm. the business. Like it's, it's the one of the, like literally one of the most important um, departments. And so your BDC director should be treated equally. All people should be treated equally, but as far as like access and being looped in and communications, uh, there's no reason that you would have it be any different than a GSM position or um, a service director position or any of those leadership positions where you need people to be in the know. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the biggest, um, you know, there's a lot of different hurdles that, that I've faced as a BDC director and um, a lot of different dealerships have ran into these issues because like when it comes to how do you pay a BDC director, no one knows. When it comes to where they fall in the the leadership line, nobody knows. And I think that's where a lot of hiccups happen um, because there's like 19 different managers who think they're the manager over that person and it just ends up not flowing right because uh, it is one team like i think that's the biggest um things that i've seen over the course of of my career is that we always silo people that's the service department the sales department doesn't want to have anything to do with the service department right the sales department doesn't want to have anything to do with them and the bdc is another department that is siloed out um, finance is siloed out. We have all these different little silos that we create, but the reality of it is, is that if nothing, if, if something's going wrong in service, it will affect you in the sales side. may take a little oh, yeah. bit of time, but it will. And the same goes with the sales side. It will start affecting your service side. And so the relationship that you have with your BDC director, with your BDC reps, um, is critical for any success. And, and for me as a BDC director, your relationship with those people is, is the same. You have to develop that relationship with them and have conversation because I think a lot of times we don't, we get this non communication factor that comes in where it's us against them. And that's where a lot of breakdown happens. And you've seen a lot of dealerships across the country. What that have BDCs and don't have BDCs. What do you think that, some of the concerns with some of those that don't have BDCs, what are some of the concerns on what they have? The ones that don't have a BDC, as far as their concerns, you know, obviously they're concerned that it's like a hard cost, right? That's what they're mm -hmm. thinking in their mind. Is this a hard cost? It's not a commission um, type position and so on and so forth. So they got concerns there. They also have concerns, you know, they come from a good, a good place in a, in a, mm -hmm. in a, in a lot of ways. Like they have concerns for their salesperson that, that that's why we have salespeople. The salespeople are supposed to answer the calls. The salespeople are supposed to make the calls. The salespeople are supposed to do all of, all of those things. But what they're missing, what they're not realizing is that we have a broken model and have for a really long time in the auto industry. 
The only reason you think your salesperson has time to make phone calls and to do all of those things and to receive all the phone calls is because you're used to a model where your salesperson only sells one car every three days, right? (laughs) That's the model. People are like, if I want to sell 200 cars, I got to have 20 salespeople. It's 10 sales per salesperson. They've been saying that since 1940 or something like that. It's, It's ridiculous. So on the old model, yeah, your sales guy who's selling one car every three days, that guy might have time to answer phone calls and do, you know, so on and so forth. However, if you want to scale and you want to grow, then you have to have salespeople that sell a car a day, you know, every day that they're at work, not one every three days. No one should ever work for free, ever. I don't know whose idea that was in this industry. Oh, I got a great idea. Let's hire people and they can work two days for free and then we'll pay them on the one day that they buy, that they sell a car. But all the (laughs) other days they just work for free. It's awesome. I don't know who came up with that idea, but for some reason it is stuck in our industry for a really long time and it's stupid, bro. It's stupid. So (laughs) if you want to scale and grow, get it to where your salespeople are selling one car a day, every day that they're at work. And in order for them to do that, there has to be people in place that can handle your leads that are coming in the influx of traffic and that can handle follow-up for customers that haven't bought from you yet, but might buy from you if you stay in touch with them. And so that department is crucial to any dealership that wants to scale. If you don't want to scale, then cool. Keep your dudes at one car every three days. Let them handle all of the leads and the follow-up and sell whatever it is that you would like to sell until Carvana or some big dealer group comes by and buys your store or mm-hmm. wipes you out and puts you out of business. Like you can do that if you want. I'm okay with that. The more that that happens, the better it is for my dealers that are looking to scale and grow their, grow their dealerships. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how many dealers out there and, and it, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's fine that, that you want to sell 60, 50, 40, 30, whatever the units is. Um, but eventually it's not going to be cool for you. Eventually you will get swallowed up. The big do get bigger. Um, and I think we're seeing that during this whole situation. And I understand some dealers have been closed and some things, but I've talked to a lot of dealers that are still on, on target to be 30% better than they were a year over year. So there's oh, yeah. dealers out there that are really pumping out but I think it really came down to their leadership and the culture that they've cultivated and that they're going to plow through this. Um, you well, know, that's the you, thing about volume, man. Once you start, once you start knocking out volume at a certain, there's a tipping point. So once you reach a certain tipping point, then you become somewhat, not 100%, but you become somewhat recession proof. You become mm-hmm. somewhat, uh, immune to whatever else is going on out there in the economy because you built your own economy. You have your own ecosystem. You have this ecosystem that's generating return customers. It's generating lease returns. It's generating long-term employees that have relationships with customers. It's generating processes and cohesiveness across the board. It's just generating all of these efficiencies as you get faster, 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 faster. I used to say like, so a salesperson, an average salesperson at the, you know, at the dealership you and I both used to work at, an average salesperson would sell 240 cars a year. 
Well, it would take in another store, it would take people two years to be able to do that just on average. So on average, our people are getting twice as many reps as your people, right? Based on the based on that based on on that old model, and we all know what happens when we get twice as many reps. Same as the gym, we get stronger, we get bigger, we better, and we start to really separate, you know, the 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 pack. And so the volume model it increases your people's abilities, it increases those efficiencies, it increases all of those things. And so when something outside hits, like a crazy pandemic or whatever, when those things hit, you're still like. You're tugging, you know, chugging right along because you've got all of these pieces that are in place. Store B that does not have those pieces, that had no momentum, that had no volume, that doesn't have very well-trained professionals, that hasn't moved or changed since 1962, that place, toast. And that's what we're seeing all across the industry right now. You got movers and shakers that are up 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent. You have some that are surviving, and then you got the ones that are getting crushed, which is the ones that were super small volume going into this, and now you're in trouble. Oh yeah, they're paralyzed. Yeah. Paralyzed right now. It used to be the model, bro. For decades, oh, yeah. that was the model. Just get a little store, dude. If you can get one little store, you get that store to do about oh, I don't know, ninety thousand dollars a month in total net profit. If you could get somewhere around there, you're due. That's a million dollars a year, dude. And once you get a million dollars a year from one store, you can go buy another store and another <laughs> store and another store. And you just keep buying all these stores. And every store you buy, you're just gonna get you a million dollars a year. And that's been the model forever. And it's been so easy. Just make sure it's next to a freeway, make sure it's next to an intersection, make sure it's in a populated area, all of those things. It was easy. The cars sold themselves, they're nice. People like cars, people want to buy car it was easy and then all of a sudden boom uber boom lyft boom internet boom amazon boom all these guys and now people are like i like to shop wherever the heck i want and maybe i don't even want a car maybe i just want somebody else to drive me around and all these things changed but the dealers didn't and now they're stuck and i hope that they take the little pop in the mouth that they just got and they wipe the blood off their chin and they get down and dirty and realize it's time to freaking scale this thing or we're going to lose it. Oh yeah. Big time. And I think a lot of them are, are, are definitely thinking that way or thinking that uh, the time has passed them and it's time to, to cut, cut, cut my losses and get out, which is going to happen to a lot of dealers over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. I already um, know three that have sold in the last six weeks. Yeah, just I'm out. I don't want to do yeah. this anymore because the game has changed. And, you know, people like myself, I spent eight years in the mortgage business, never in my life thought I'd be in the car business. And here I am. And and I'm just like you because very much cut from, you know, cut from the same mm -hmm. cloth, a little different. But but a lot of things that are similar is that uh, the business has been doing things wrong for so long. I'm out. Let's change it. And let's 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 cause a, a, a revolution in this business because right. it's time for um, a different way. And, you know, when we talk about leadership culture, the big thing that that really stuck with me and has stuck with me for years is uh, your ability to say something crazy to me. Like, let's sell six thousand cars. I think six thousand was the first one that you said to me mm -hmm. and it was ten thousand later on. But two years later. 
<laughs> two years later, you said ten thousand. Yeah. But when you're when you're doing that, um, you know, when you told me six thousand, I looked at you like you were crazy for about a about minute and a half, maybe, and then I was like, all right, let's go. And and for those of us that are in that leadership position that that want that type of and I, I hate using this word, but it's the right word for it. But a cult like following, because mm-hmm. that's what we kind of had. I mean, we had this cult like sure. following that created um, people that just were willing to run through walls and do the things that need to be done. You had the one car day bracelets like it was all in. How? How do you do that? <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you the secret sauce. Well, first, first you got to take care of your people. That's that's the first thing. Um, most businesses have this backwards. They've got it flipped. They think profit first, customer second, employees last. And mm-hmm. that's that's just backwards. Flip that upside down. They, employees first. If you take care of them, they'll take care of your customers. Happy customers will bring you more happy customers, which will ultimately lead to profits. That's the way um, that it should be. And so as a leader in that particular um, you know, organization in that season with you that that was you know incredible. The biggest thing is I made sure I never asked anybody to do anything I wasn't willing to do, and I never put projections out out of out there that didn't have statistical um, backing to it. I never just said, "Hey, okay, we're gonna go," you know, we're gonna sell. 150 cars this month, or we're going to sell 500 this month, or we're going to sell 1,000, and then just stick a number on the board and then beat everybody up when they didn't hit that number. I never did that, ever, ever, ever. I studied trends and trends and trends and trends, and I looked at what happened the first Monday of May 2015, what happened the first Monday of May 2014, what happened the first Monday of May 2013, how did we progress, What? how are we progressing, why are we progressing, what shifts have we made, how, well, who can we promote, who can we increase how can we energize the staff you notice before any of those big pushes we always made moves with the staff always preparing for what was next we had sold 4287 cars i think it was the year before we sold um 6, so i knew we needed 1800 more cars right in a year well 1800 more cars in a year that's 150 cars a month 150 cars a month divided by 20 sales people per car that means i need seven to eight more sales people if we're going to do 6000 cars i can't just take the normal same staff and go okay now do 6000 <laughs> and then tell them they're all stupid when they don't. So I knew I had to add seven people. And, and, and I also knew that we needed to add one or two finance people. And I also knew that we were going to need a new sales manager, right? So we promote from within. You put people in sales manager, now finance, and you bring in some new sales people. And there's all this energy. And everybody's like, oh, I can buy into this because Glenn cares about us. He's not just beating us over the shoulder with a whip. He's creating the opportunity for us to grow and excel. And so in doing so, yeah, people followed me, man. Are you kidding me? They, they it, it, it benefited them to do so because that's all I cared about was everybody winning, right? It was never about me. It was never about Josh. That's what, that's what was great about Josh Cummins is it was never about him. It was about the people on the team winning. And ultimately that trickled down to success for the dealership. Yeah, because I don't. First off, we didn't have anybody. Other, it was a rarity that we would prom, or not promote, but bring a salesperson in that had any experience at all. And then, yeah, if they came to me with two more than two years experience on the resume, I just tell them, "We're sorry, we're not hiring." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested because yeah. you know, 
uh, bad habits. It, it takes it's it takes just as long to break someone of bad habits as it does to train someone new ones. It takes mm-hmm. the same amount of time. So people are like, well, I want somebody with experience. It's faster. No, it's not because you got to freaking take all the time to break all their freaking old bad habits. Just mm-hmm. get them. Get a blank slate, dude. It's easier. It's actually faster than it is to try to. Un- it's faster to train someone than try to untrain someone. Oh yeah, and it's and there's a lot of great stories from, you know, Evan who was a detailer, to salesperson to finance manager. I mean, the stories that come along with that are insane. Oh yeah, um, because you bring your people up. Just like with management, we only had a small, maybe two or three um, managers that didn't start off as salespeople. I mean, it was a very small percentage of management. Um, Brad and Paul. And so we have Brad, Paul, Jeremy, and Sam. That's it. Everybody else came up into this and worked their way up to it. And it ultimately creates this culture of everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows the goals that need to be hit and let's go. Um, And so, you know, when you're looking at your dealership, um, you really need to promote within Um, bringing in a new manager. That's the biggest thing and biggest headaches that I think that a lot of dealers have to go through is bringing a new sales manager after a new sales manager because every sales manager has his own way of doing things and it has his own secret sauce that he's going to bring to it, which ends up sometimes bringing some bad things uh, inside your dealership that don't really fly with your culture and the way you want to do business. And so you have to be careful with that because you have to, you know, the culture inside your dealership is very fragile. You can, you can grow it, you can build it, you can do a lot of different things with it, but you have to completely, you have to watch it. It's your baby. Yeah, no We know a thing or two about babies because we have a few of them. <laughs> babies everywhere. So, so what, so tell, you know, you have a lot of things going on right now. What's something cool that's going on that you're super excited about that in the near future or, um, that's going on right now for you? Um, 800% club is super, super cool. Uh, working with 40 different dealerships around the country now, uh, working with the leaders of those organizations. It's, Super cool because, again, as they win, then their people win, right? I'm basically doing the same thing that I was doing before, but now we're we're doing it with a team that's spread out all over the nation, including um, Canada now. We've got a dealer in yeah, Canada. Yeah, you're learning a little bit about Canadian business now. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's <laughs> a unique, different. man. A little different, but it's the same. It's still just people, man. And that's that's the best part is I figured out, like, there's multiple ways that you can work with dealerships, right? You can work in a dealership in different positions. You can work outside of a dealership as like a vendor that helps people with systems processes, vendor, you know, uh, those types of things. You can work as a consultant of some sort. You could be a trainer where you train salespeople or train F&I or train service or train whatever, right? There's lots of trainers in the, in the industry. And so as I looked at all that and I was like, man, that's cool. There's some amazing sales trainers out there. There's some amazing vendors out there. There's amazing resources for dealers out there. Some of them are absolutely incredible, but you know what? There ain't nobody that's working with the owner of the dealership, the GM, whoever the the leader is of the organization, working with them directly 
so that what they have so so that the evolution of that owner can then trickle down to everybody right like i'm a very i'm a very complicated simple person right <laughs> or a very simple complicated person whichever way you want to look at it if i can work with one person and that one changing that one person can affect 675 additional people I'm going to do that versus trying to change the 675 people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, just yep. flip it upside down. And so I've been able to work with incredible leaders of organizations all over the country. And it's so exciting. They've been winning, man. They've been winning through COVID. They've been winning um, you know, prior to COVID and they still continue to, and it's just like, awesome. They're winning in their marriages. They're winning in their relationships with their kids. They're winning in their friendships. They're winning spiritually, right? Like you see all these wins and it's just like, yes, that's, that's what's up. So today, you know, I've been grinding, 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 and it's been super, super fun going through this, this season with uh, these guys and girls, these amazing leaders. Uh, today, I decided I'm taking the day off and I'm coming up to Union, Kentucky, and I played some golf with uh, a good buddy of mine. I'm at his house right now. That's where this blue background <laughs> is. I'm like, bro, I got to go do this. This is the second one. I had to do one. Uh, not had to do one. I got the privilege and honor of doing one earlier as well as doing doing this one. Um, but that'd probably be the most exciting thing, you know, right now. My wife and I, things are cool there. And She's doing a lot of stuff. We got ducks and gardens and new basement. And, you know, we've been doing lots of projects there, which is cool. But it's very rewarding to see the lights go on in a unique and different way with these incredible leaders and to know that that is going to impact so many people, not mm -hmm. just this generation, but the next generation and the next generation. You know me, Josh, I'm trying to change this freaking industry, you know, from the inside out. And now I've got the ears of the people that can change it. And that's really, really exciting to me um, to have those ears and, and make a difference in, in industry people all across the nation for now and forevermore, hopefully. Yeah, that's awesome. And Hustle and Grind. Uh, or actually, yeah, the uh, Hustle and Grind. Con am I getting it right? Yeah. Hustle and Grind Con. I knew I was going to get it right somehow. I'm sorry. I oh, thought I turned this off. Hold on. Sorry, go ahead. The Hustle and Grind Con. Tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, you had to reschedule just like myself. <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those things where you're like, you're you're leading into it and you're like, I'm doing it. Let's go for it. And then all of a sudden you get that gut feeling like, nope, got to pull back. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. I know it's October 12th and 13th um, as of right now, uh, unless the world continues to, to you know, hopefully fingers crossed praying that everything gets back to normal but tell everybody a little bit about that and and how they can get their tickets and everything um so hustle and grind con is unlike any other you know event basically we combine we we entertain while educating what do they call it inner edu edutainment i think is what they're calling it now yeah edu edutainment. <laughs> like, right yeah yeah so so we educate we entertain we bring in incredible powerful speakers uh, global, worldwide, international speakers. We bring them in to motivate you, to educate you, to inspire you. 
Um, it's just an incredible two-day event. We have these hustle houses that we rent, these big mansions next to the event center where people stay all together. And so we don't just do the conference from nine to five, but we do breakfast together at 7 a.m. And then we do the conference together and then we're having dinner together and we're masterminding together. It's just, it's really a special unique experience unlike anything else it's also one of the only events where we bring together the owners of the dealerships with the salespeople. there's something for everybody the finance managers the sales managers the service people there's something for everybody at hustle and grind con um, as far as tickets we you can go to uh, glennlundy.com just go to my website glennlundy.com and you can click on the link and you should be able to get tickets to hustle and grind con um, there but it's going to be a spectacular event it always is we've had uh, a couple of these now and they've been life-changing for me each time um, they're just absolutely incredible and i'd love to have everybody join us yeah it's amazing when you're planning events how um you you get this passion going that you're going to be helping all these people. I, this is BDC raw is going to be my first event. Um, I have not been by, by any stretch of the imagination and an event planner made a lot of stupid mistakes early on kind of had the reset button blessed that, that kind of had to reschedule due to the COVID just kind of got to hit the reset button to do the marketing the way I wanted to do a lot of things that I wanted to do. Um, and so but it's going to be, you know, they're amazing events and it's not about, you know, me um, by any stretch of imagination. It's about changing some people's lives um, to get some information in their heads that's going to change their life in their business and in their life. And so it, it's incredible to be able to do that, which is awesome. Um, that's why I kind of do these a little bit now that 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 I've kind of. Um, warmed up to being live. I'm not like you. You're like 600 episodes in. Um, I'm not 613. 13 episodes in. I'll get there. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's amazing too that you know it's not about me. It's not about me getting thousands upon thousands of people watching these. If I do, that's great. If I reach one person, that's it. All I need one person, and and I feel like I've done my job. Um, and so. I want to thank you so much, Glenn, for, for being on the show. I'm going to let you get back to, um, maybe you're going to play, you going to play another round of golf. No, I got to drive. I got to drive home now. I got to go home to my babies. You got to go home to the babies, kiss the babies Tell Leslie. I said, hello. And thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I'm blessed to have you here and blessed to have you as a friend. Hey man, you, you, you the man. I'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank All you right, guys thanks. for watching. See you brother.